Everything leading up to this moment has been rehearsal. The real performance is about to begin. He's launching the first wave. All ships, battle stations. Hang on to something. Incoming! You're our only chance for help. They've cut us off! This rebellion ends today. I'm not ready to give up yet. Sketeers, and welcome to another episode of Ghost Stories, a Rebels podcast here on the Random Chatter Network. I am your host, Spectre 7, and joining me is Spectres 8 and 9. Hey. Hey. And also joining us from a galaxy not too far away are Megan and Saf. Greetings. Hello, girls. Hello. So thank you for joining us on this wonderful season finale of not only Star Wars Rebels, but our show. Can we get so, them, give them uh, code names of fulcrums? Uh, do you want to be fulcrums or phoenix crew? Oh, man. Uh, I'll be a fulcrum. I like the idea of the, the spy. I want to be a fulcrum, too. I've always wanted to be an information broker. There we go. <laughs> Works an information happy. broker or a shadow broker? Yeah. <laughs> Definitely the latter. Yeah. I'm happy to have some more girls on here. So. <laughs> well. Glad to be here. All right. Well, for our listeners who don't know you two, can you just give a little intro for us? I'm Megan Krauss. I write primarily for Den of Geek. Um, I'm also in Star Wars Insider. I do a little bit for StarWars.com. Um, I do a little bit for Del Rey Star Wars Tumblr page. Uh, I think that's everything. Oh, and so I do Western Reaches with Saf. That's our books and games and sundry podcast. And I do Blaster Cannon, which is an expanded universe podcast on Den of Geek. So I'm Saf. Like Megan said, I do a podcast with her. I'm also theoretically on Blaster Cannon, but that'll happen eventually. Um, I do game writing and podcasting and photography stuff. I write for Toshi Station, sometimes write for makingstarwars.com. Um, and I write a lot on my own blog, which is not safework.com. And we're Bioware Trash. We are. Yeah, we Congratulations. Are we are all our two. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if Ernie's Bioware Trash. I never heard he, the phrase, if, but uh, uh, sure. he, should, he, he should agree with us if he knows what's good for him. I'm nodding, Lindsay. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> this is radio. We can't see or nod. <laughs> but you can feel it, right? No, no. You should no. just say yes. Yes. Good. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's dive into the episode now. Yeah. The official description. While the rebels plot to attack the Imperial stronghold on Lothal, Grand Admiral Thrawn discovers the location of their secret base, leading to an epic clash. Dun, dun, dun. Epic is the perfect word. I, there, were, there were parts of it that felt epic. Well, I'm thinking just like, specifically the, the space battle. That was just absolutely gorgeous. I mean, it was a good space battle for a TV budget. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, it was mildly convoluted, like all good battles are. So after I went and wrote my review, I read some others, and it seemed like an oddly universal opinion on this one. Like a lot of times, the the reviewers are very you know, disagree and I'll point out different things. But this one, I noticed a lot of repetition in that, like, it was good and it felt like Star Wars, especially the space battles, but it was kind of missing something. And that was kind of interesting to me to interrogate because, like, how much of that is that we're going into it with a critical mind and how much of it is it the ending of this episode was kind of not super well constructed. And I think... From what you guys were saying earlier, it was a little bit, a little bit of the latter. You know what yeah, it was missing, I, Megan, I, is the Thrawn pincer move. That's what it was missing. We did get the Masassi. Yeah. Shout out to Masassi. <laughs> yeah, that was I, cool. Yeah. I felt the main issue was like, it's almost like they didn't quite know what to do with the ending. And so they formulated something and forced the characters to work into the ending that they created. It's like they had a plot point that they wanted to hit, so they created character points that would work into it as opposed to letting the character points feed the plot, which happens often in finales when they feel boxed in. And I felt like that was what was happening towards the end of this episode. Because the rest of it, to, to be honest, like while I did have qualms with some of the things that were going on in this episode, in general, I really liked it until some of the stuff that was happening in the last 15 minutes that really bothered me. And it was mainly because I felt like they were forcing things that didn't need to be forced. And I didn't, didn't need to exist. It didn't make character sense for me, which is what always bothers me more than anything is when a character does something that seems out of character. Yeah. I think this one started out on a bit of an advantage because it is in fact about the ghost crew. Whereas Mm -hmm. So many of the finales before have not been. They've been focused on other saga characters. But the some, especially Callus, who I thought had a really strong arc in the beginning, his arc completely fizzled out by the end. And there were a couple instances of that and where the character-driven stuff was moved to the side. I actually was quite pleased with what they did with Callus just because it was getting to the point where it, he had to be found out. It was getting ridiculous that Thrawn was going to string him along. I, I couldn't imagine that Thrawn was going to string him along until into season uh, four. So I liked what they did with that situation. But again, he didn't. He just was sitting there watching. And I actually thought there was they did good job with the character animation with him, his the stricken uh, faces he was making while the battles were going on. Because given like he wasn't really making any noise, and so that isn't acting but it's you know character acting per se i i thought that they did a good job with that at least yeah absolutely and just seeing that new model was cool was seeing mm-hmm. Kalos has been through some stuff that we didn't see off screen definitely that was like i i i love how like immediately everyone developed a crush on Callus. like <laughs> i already had a crush on Callus. I am a callous I mean, no, crush I, hipster. I, I we'll see. I, I don't have a crush on callous. I have a crush on Thrawn beating Callus up. <laughs> Is that bad of me? I just have a. Well, we all know my, I like th- <laughs> the floppy hair was definitely an improvement. It did. It was. It was yeah. an improvement. I liked it a lot. 
<laughs> Callus but, just needs to let his hair down every once in a while. I, I hope I hope he keeps it now that he's now that he's going to be part of you know the Phoenix crew. Yeah, it's Ooh, the Cartho yeah. nasty look. Hey, is it going to be the, uh, the? Oh my Carson god, it is. Is, is. <laughs> is it going to be the Sabine oh. fill-in though? You think? Ooh. I think Sabine will come back. So yeah, probably not. The problem this with this is that every new member they've gotten to the Ghost Crew so far has been a dude. And as much as I love Callus, I'm like, why is it have a every single one dude? Yeah. yeah, and Ahsoka no, was there that's... for a while, but and then then now we're down Sabine. Yeah. So we're back to It's true because we had like Ben Rao, Rex is still around, which oh my god, I'm always thankful they haven't killed Rex yet. I'm so glad. I'm going to cry for like a week straight when he dies. Seriously. I'm oh, not gonna I, be able to... There was there was a couple mo- there was a lot of fake outs in this in this episode. Uh, there were with with character deaths. like when Well, like at the beginning when Kanan tells Ezra like, you know, I have nothing else I can teach you. Like that's a character trope for this character's going to die soon. Mhm. Like and I had the problem that for me before I watched it because everybody live tweets it when it comes out <laughs> so I went into it knowing that nobody died which is kind of unfortunate but I still I don't ever trust the show to actually kill anyone or any of the good guys really. Which is actually a little disappointing I won't Yeah because yeah, there. There, there was a lot of build up to a, like we all thought a main character would die in this one because um, last week we <laughs> talked about when we were talking about this episode I'm sorry this that- is a thing for me everybody's been saying someone's gonna die at season finale for the last three seasons it's not being built up in any particular season and they haven't really been leading up to anyone dying it's just people thinking that someone should die this is my biggest well, no, pet peeves you're, you're right you're no you're right you're definitely mm-hmm. right and i'm guilty i'm guilty of that too for me the math kind of went together for this one because the rebels had to lose badly because they don't wi- there was no way they could have won against Thrawn because they don't win their first victory until rogue one yeah so for me, the math just made more sense in this episode for a main character to die. And, and granted, why is like, it realistic? Yeah, and to me, it's not realistic that all of them survive while a lot of other people die because that's not how battles work. Your entire battalion doesn't survive. It's kind of the same thing as like saying like I don't know. You've got like the main characters of the of the original trilogy and everything, and like these guys are kind of like that. Like but you've they got have, but we've, we lost one already. No, I mean in the new trilogy we have, but in the original trilogy you didn't, right? And oh, this is yeah. still oh, right, yeah. Like yeah. they're like they're they're protected by like the plot armor. Yeah, yeah, they don't quite have plot shields, but almost. And that's why I I thought Catalyst was one of the ones most likely to die because I, I mean I was betting on <laughs> as the boys well know. <laughs> still bitter. Okay, I love Callus. Like everyone knows I love Callus, and I'm really happy about him being part of the crew now. But also, I'm so mad that he killed. Minister Tua for exactly what he did, and he managed to live. Mm, I was waiting for yeah, something to knock that escape pod out of the sky. I was, I, 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 was I, too. I kind of wanted Callus to die, as uh, as the boys well know. I was waiting for his death, <laughs> and like, not that I want Callus to die, but like, it—he's been bar—he's been running on borrowed time for sure. Yeah, I, I to be honest, if this wasn't a kids show, I don't think. I think Thrawn would have killed him after watching it for a little bit. I think he would have been like, oh, I tortured you enough. And then would have axed him. That's like, yeah. I don't think he, I don't think he would have left him with governor price right. because I don't think he would have trusted governor price to handle callous. Cause he knows callous better than that. 
That's something but I always have to remind myself, though. It's it's a kid it's still show. Not, yeah. yeah, it's not for. I mean, like it's for everyone, but it's not necessarily aimed at us completely. Yeah, I think that's both the core of the discussion and a road that it's kind of difficult to go down because saying, yeah. "Well, it's it's a kids' show, so no one's gonna die," removes a lot of the narrative tension. There are plenty of ways to ratchet it up again without killing a character. Yeah, but and they, they have been doing that, I think. Yeah, I think, for sure. Well, it's like, it's an excuse in a way, but it is also something that other shows have done very effectively to make something dark without making it inappropriate for children. Yeah, I oh, think Clone, something Clone Wars was a... Clone Wars is different, though, because that was George Lucas. Well, right, but I mean, it's still pretty much the same team except for Lucas, so, like... They have less... They would have less creative control over, like, that kind of stuff, though, because it's on Disney instead of... Being on Kyle Network for one thing, and also being a George Lucas thing, like Disney is a bit more, a bit more careful about just killing people. Like you know how Ahsoka like decapitated a bunch of people during the Clone Wars. They're not exactly going to do that in this with Ezra. But I think another thing is that the show is growing with its audience somewhat. Like compared to the I first agree. season, it's definitely gotten darker. And the Clone Wars did it too. Like in the final season, it is way darker, partly because they were on Netflix. But um, I think the next season will definitely see more because it'll have been four years. It's a decent amount of time to expect like the original audience of, the, of rebels to have grown up a bit more and be able mm-hmm. to deal with more mature themes, which is what most kids shows do is that they get more mature as they go along. It's like avatar did that quite. Uh, yeah. Avatar definitely did that. Avatar is the one that I always think of. And I think while clone wars had more deaths and this is, you know, feel free to debate this, but I think clone wars deaths didn't, even even that didn't have the impact they were always supposed to have. Sometimes the framing around them was was sort of light, and yeah, it was a death, but it wasn't necessarily it didn't necessarily solve the narrative impact problems. Yeah, like Adi Galia, that one just didn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or Master Peel. Oh yeah, oh, <laughs> Master Peel. <laughs> that was one of the one of the great might not be the right word, but that was sure a canon issue. you know what i did love in this episode um that i would take over the droid episode uh episodes any day was a zeb and rex's um little camaraderie there like i i love their little banter it was uh, two war buddies talking preparing themselves mentally like i absolutely love that they like kind of just said oh yeah that that fruit tastes good i forgot what which one it was but no i totally oh yeah no like yeah like they little moment like they've grown, they've grown a lot closer. Like they, they've always kind of been pals, but now they're like you know trench buddies. I did like that when everyone saw <laughs> things were going wrong, both in the sky and on the ground. Everybody just thought we need Sabine. Yeah, yeah, that was really cool. Yes, it made me. Uh, uh, yeah, they definitely. She's. I mean, she's an integral part of their crew. It, it was nice when. Like when uh, we got to that part where Mon Mothma was like, I can't send anybody, you know, you guys are on your own. Ezra's first thought was, I got to get Sabine. Yeah. We only got a small glimpse of what Sabine's been up to, but you could tell that things have been progressing Mm -hmm. with the Mandalorians. And I love that she'd painted her brother's armor. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah, I noticed that too. 
And before we go on with the Mandalor- little Mandalorian thing, um, I don't I, obviously like I I noticed it, and I was I was hoping when Ezra went to get Sabine, like maybe Bo Katan was going to be there because we had been told that Bo Katan was going to show up, but obviously she wasn't there. So I guess Bo Katan's going to be regulate fourth season, which I was a bit disappointed in and a little surprised, but I thought that was going to be like a reveal for the finale, but I'm still really happy with what they did, at least with Sabine and showing her stepping up to be a leader and really pushing her mother to help her friends and things like that. And I thought that stuff was really good with the Mandalores. So, and it also shows that there are issues within the Mandalorians and there's a civil war going on, which lays the groundwork for when Bo-Katan and the other Mandalorians would show up next season. So at least we have the groundwork for something going on next season for them. It shows how early they record these episodes. If she announced it like, what was it, a couple months ago or even before season three started. Did she announce that she was going to be Bo-Katan or just that she was going to be in Rebels? It was, I, it was. I thought she It wasn't her. It was, yeah. It was Bo-Katan. Yeah, because she said Bo-Katan okay. would be returned. Because she also, I'm pretty sure she did like a random voice in this season as well. Yeah, but it was definitely Bo-Katan. Wasn't she? No. Who was the Sith holocron voice? Was that her? That was no, Asajj. No, that, that, uh, ben- that was Ben. That was Nika Futterman. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah her. I thought it was interesting too that um, I think Thrawn's victory would have been a little different had Governor Tarkin allowed him to take no prisoners. Hmm. Yeah, I thought there'd be more tension between them. And I think there was. I think one of the things that this episode did pretty well was show the Imperial infighting. But yeah, that that definitely didn't quite go as far as I thought it would. Yeah. Speaking of the infighting, though, I I didn't like it as much in this episode than I did like through Imperial eyes. I think it showed off better there. Because here... Constantine seemed to just kind of throw a fit because the plot needed him to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least to at, at he, least to me, like his, his he kind of went from like zero to like sixty with his anger. Yeah, <laughs> he went and from doesn't. I'll wait to, <laughs> you know, screw you, Tarkin. I'm gonna go commit suicide by <laughs> destroyer. I guess I didn't mind that too much because through Imperial Eyes did lay such a groundwork of this hyper-competitive Imperial, like, attitude. But mm. that's where the there was a sort of disjointedness between Tarkin versus Thrawn and Thrawn versus Constantine. And th- there could have been a little bit more, but I think that they didn't necessarily have the time to devote to that. And through Imperial Eyes did it so well that I was okay with that. I think, yeah, I think, I think without Imperialize, it wouldn't have worked anywhere near as well as it did. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it just feels weird because because it didn't show being built up in Constantine per- personally. Right. Yeah. I was reading Jason Fry's notes on his uh, Zeraliana series, and I was just saying that I want a Jason Fry book about Constantine and List and all the <laughs> rebels Imperials. Ooh, yeah. yeah it's, oh, it's... Hey, so we haven't heard from Zeraliana's in a while. No, nor have we heard from Dara Leonis, which is a tragedy. <laughs> that's so that's so weird because they they obviously like set up that storyline way back in the first season and it feels kind of weird that they've just kind of dropped it. They just yeah, they they just kind of dropped it. Yeah. Like it it became it became those like children's books, but they didn't like bring that back in. I've read them. 
I don't know oh. if that's something that's necessarily going to come back or not because they were they did end at on a high note like Dara, you know, spoilers? I don't I don't know. Anyway, it ended on a high <laughs> note and like it it's um uh wrapped up, but you could certainly bring those characters back and well, yeah, I wonder like... if it was I wonder if it was just sales or if those characters are on a long list of people that might come back in a in either a book from Del Rey or a book from uh, Disney Publishing at some mm-hmm. point. Like, I'm pro- they're probably just not on the top of the list, and I would love to see them again. Well, there's there's no reason for those characters to not join up with the Rebellion, and now since we're getting the larger Rebellion overall, like it would make sense for them to appear in a crowd shot. At some point, even if we just got that, it's like, hey, like you're acknowledging that we yeah, we remember these characters. Don't worry. Well, heck, they can in, they could exist within the resistance. They could. Yeah. Man, and if they we, they ran into they dealt with Brindle Hux. If we saw Dara in a group shot, I would be so glad she's a bit of a liability because she's force sensitive. So mm-hmm. we got to figure out what's up with her. <laughs> so we probably won't get her, though. <laughs> Or at least interacting with Ezra and Kanan. Well, we just need to find out where she died. Going, uh, going back loud. to the uh, Constantine well, uh, thing, go I was going to say yeah. like the Sato sacrifice. Uh, did you guys? Oh. I, I don't know. I'm tr- still trying to wrap my head around like if it was a powerful moment or not for me. You know, like I, I don't know if it hit home as like hard as I wanted it to, but it was a cool thing to watch. Yeah, it, for me, it was definitely more memorable just because of the pure, the physical way he sliced through that ship mm-hmm. Sato is like he's fine I wasn't super attached to him so mm-hmm. I I didn't really expect it to mean a lot character wise although it did like I, I feel bad for the younger members of, of the Rebels crew that might have looked up to him more um, but yeah I feel like we don't quite have enough on that character for it to be like a tearjerker, but it was a good dramatic moment. It was, yeah, it was I think more it was than powerful impressive. just because of right. how it how it looked and rather than how it felt, I guess. Yeah. It was very it was very reminiscent of you know the hammerhead and the star destroyer well, in and I guess, yeah, one. I I guess that's why like I liked it, but we've also seen it before. And I really do like that they're getting kind of more creative with the way the space battles go and with ships actually like ramming into each other. It's always interesting to see new ways to use ships like that. Yeah, because it always feels like it's the same shots until you see something like that stands out like this. Um, I am a little sad that they got rid of the carrier, though. Yeah, Yeah. me too. Because that was was a bit of a bummer. And let's be honest, like we were talking about how like they haven't really killed any of the main crew, but they killed a lot of people in this episode. Oh yeah, they yeah, did. There's, a there's, lot yeah. of people died. Pretty much pretty much the whole Phoenix the whole Phoenix based crew is gone. I mean <laughs> a lot of people died. And not by, just by the Empire, also like Bendu. Bendu was like zapping people out of the sky. Uh, do, okay. So Mad Boy. Do we want to talk about the Bendu issue now? <laughs> The I, I brought it up. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> ben, yeah. So I want to get everybody's opinion on what happened with Bendu. Because we, especially on this show, on on the this podcast, we've talked about the Bendu and and what we thought maybe his storyline was going going to be doing. And this is 
a thing that happened. I'm not quite sure how I feel about it. So I wanted to get everybody's opinion on how they felt about this direction with the Bendu uh, opinions. Go. Because <laughs> I definitely have some opinions too, but I'm curious what everybody else thinks. Um, I think... I liked the concept of the Bendu through this entire season, but I never felt like he was utilized very well. And this final episode, um, when he does that whole thing where he kind of goes off at Kanan, like, how dare you do this on my planet kind of thing. I thought that was really cool because he was very much like trying to stay in the middle. And and he was always kind of, I guess, always kind of saw him as like a friendly figure and like a friend to the rebellion until that happens. And you realize that he wasn't, he was just helping Kanan because it was, it worked at that time. Um, but I think the bit where he kind of just comes in and saves everyone was a little bit, I didn't like that that much because it kind of felt like it took away from that a bit. And it also just, it took away a lot of the tension from that, that confrontation scene. And I thought that was a really cool scene up until that point. Um, so I don't know how I feel about the Ben do all up. I thought he was a cool concept, but I don't, I can't say I really like how he's doing. Oop. Everyone's still there? Yeah, Did we I'm, lose I'm, I'm here. I, I was like, we love everyone. Sad. I was like, Red you were... five standing by. I think, yeah, I think you just kind of went a little. I think you're off a little. Oh, you sad. you you ranted so hard you stretched all your bandwidth. <laughs> oh, no. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I I mean I agree with what you're saying. I I I really I agree with what you're saying to the point. One of the things that I I really thought he was a neutral character and very gray, not only in his neutrality but. I never fully understood where he stood. I didn't think he was necessarily on the rebel side, but I didn't think he was on Imperial side. I just thought he was kind of helping whoever came to him. Cause you know, he was willing to, he clearly knew when Maul was around and he didn't say anything in that situation in a couple, you know, three or four, what was it? Maybe five episodes back. It's I'm, I'm episodes are melding together at this point, but I always felt like he was, he tried to be true neutral and when Kanan came to ask for his help, it was like forcing his hand. And obviously that was something that he couldn't tolerate. But it took a lot of tension out of the scene with Thrawn and the rebels because that was a really neat scene with him bearing down on them and them trying to figure out what to do. And then all of a sudden it was like Deuces Machina, Simba's dad in the clouds. Everybody's being <laughs> shot by, you know electric lightning and it was so unlike anything we've ever seen in star wars that i was kind of thrown by it to be honest mm. so i i think i didn't really mind the reveal of bendu's powers like i thought it could be kind of silly because it was the first time we saw his whole body and then he could fly and i was like does he have wings now? What is happening? But I do think the way they showed or did not show that was kind of cool. The thing that bothered me about it is I think the same thing that you were saying just from a just slightly different angle, which is that using him in that way kind of robbed other characters of their chance to have the big emotional confrontation. Like Bendu took care of Thrawn, so... Hera didn't have to, or Ezra didn't have to. And I do like that we saw that moment in which the Bendu kind of makes a prediction and we see what I think is Thrawn being scared for the first time. Yeah. But that little character moment didn't really change the fact that nobody else got a character moment there. As always, I basically 100% agree with Megan. 
Oh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks. I think. I think. I think, one of the, I think the biggest thing we have to take away from that, though, is is the Bendu's prediction literal or um, figurative? Or figurative, because mm-hmm. you know, many hands surrounding you in a cold embrace. Man, if that's literal. You I'm know. both ready to see it and ready for the nightmares. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he, he's cool, he's describing but... he's describing a Borgullet right there. So oh no, Ooh. or a Rathtar. Ew. Good it... hands, not tentacles. <laughs> <laughs> Good point, Sal. Oh, no. for some, Don't for write some... the fan fiction for people, Mike. For, yeah. some, for some reason, my mind my mind went to the Zillow Beast because I was like, oh, we haven't seen that in a while. How cool <laughs> how back would that be? <laughs> Could be angry citizens. He did just... say hands. <laughs> I personally so... didn't like the whole Bendu thing myself. I, I think I agree with everyone's point. I think the only good thing for me that came out of it was it was the unpredictable thing that made Thrawn not necessarily lose, but like not get his complete victory. That was the only thing that I, I felt like came out of it. Because, yeah, it, it was weird. It was kind of weird to see this, this cloud and like eyes. It looked cool, but I almost imagined myself like, how would that look in real life? Like if they actually did it in, in like a, a movie and I just I don't see it like being as powerful. So it kind of came off comical to me. Yeah, well, well they, I mean that's they said the it was pro- based, like good thing about. Sorry, no, it's okay. They they said it was based off of like a sun a, coming a through real, clouds. Yeah, a real thing that David's seen. So, like I don't know. I I kind of imagined it like that, but I get what you're saying. Like, well, I think that's I, a good thing about using animation for some Star Wars stuff because like the stuff in Rebels that wouldn't have been Rebels. I mean, the Clone Wars <laughs> wouldn't have been able to be pulled off like in movies. <laughs> but in yeah, Rebels too. Like I yeah. think. The comics kind of do that too, is they can do a bit mm-hmm. more like strange stuff and like mystical things. And I like, like, the Bender looked really cool, and that definitely wouldn't have worked in a live action film. And I think that's kind of why I'm glad they did it in Rebels, is because like it was a chance to look really cool. Can, can we talk about how I love how <laughs> Thrawn logicked his way out of <laughs> the Bendu and was just like, shoot at the cloud? <laughs> and it worked. I mean, that, was, that was a little annoying, though. Like, because you kind of expected. I don't know if he would kind of be. <laughs> like, I thought he was the cloud at that point, and it's like you're shooting yeah, at the cloud. I thought, he, I thought he became like energy as opposed to yeah. I thought I agreed, and then I was like, "Is Thrawn really that stupid?" And then I was like, <laughs> "Oh no, I guess Thrawn isn't stupid because it worked." I guess Oops. I'm the stupid one. It was sort of less logical than I expected it to be, I think, because it, it didn't require any deduction or any art. It was just, yeah, we've got a problem, but we've also got a lot of Imperial weaponry shoot at it. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the last thing I wanted to touch on with the, with the, um, with the Bendu was that, it's I, I liked seeing his frustration that he couldn't remain neutral. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that he did kind neutral, of though. did stay neutral, though, did he not? Well, he nicked Kanan. I kind of yeah. liked that, that that kept the balance there. Well, he he's, he he shot stayed, down that transport. He stayed neutral in the sense that he hated everybody equally and was attacking okay. everybody. Yeah, there but he wasn't. But he wasn't. But he he wanted to stay out of the conflict too. 
Okay, yeah. see what you're saying. And, and I mean, he did come in and he did, like, he kind of helped the Rebels. Like, he didn't help the Rebels, but he kind of helped the Rebels a little bit. Like, if he could have easily just left it and just let, like, Thrawn kill them all and then they would have left and he would have been fine. But he was like, you know what, I'm going to get involved, which kind of broke his neutrality, but also didn't because he hurt both sides. Well, do you think that if the Rebels had had a squad as big or a fleet as big as the Imperials did and they were the ones marching onto the base, would the Bendu have done the same thing? Yeah, see, I think he only attacked the Imperials more because the Imperials had more to hit. But did he hit the Imperials more? I think he killed more Rebels. He took out an entire transport of Rebels. That is a good point. No, that is. He took out an entire Rebels transport ship. Okay, well, he still got involved. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, like, I'm not saying that, like, I'm not saying that he attacked the rebels more. I'm just saying that he wasn't paying attention. He was just angry. Yeah. And then, and then he got angry. He then he got more angry at the Imperials because the Imperials were shooting at him because the rebels didn't shoot at him. I just really, I was really surprised they had him shoot a rebels transport down. I thought they were going to have him go full like help the rebels, and then I was like, whoa. Okay. I'm glad I'm glad they stuck him with being neutral. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. I hate it. I hate it in Star Wars when they do have like neutral or pacifistic characters and in the end they're like, no, we're on the side of the Republic or the Rebellion. Because mm-hmm. that's the good side. I like it when they actually keep a character as Grey because yeah. it's much more interesting. I find Grey morality way more interesting. I agree with you. Same. I don't know. I like it when a character sees the light in a sense, either ah. Imperial or Rebel. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, I don't know. It, I just, I, I feel like you have to take a side because, you know, if, if you don't take a side, that's essentially one less good or one less bad. That actually hooks right into the age-old fan discussion of what bringing balance to the Force means. Like, is can balance be killing off everyone except one side, uh, one person on each side? Or does it mean something that's, you know, peaceful at its, at its core? Mm-hmm. No, you're, no, you're right. Like, that's, that, that's definitely something because, you know, the Bendu represents the middle. But how does how does he fit into this whole into this whole thing i asked this earlier um the beginning of the season like where does the bendu sit on this spectrum of the middle of the force because mm-hmm. if we if we have he fits in the middle of the spectrum obviously well right but, <laughs> middle of the middle but then does that does that mean that he's more involved in the chosen one prophecy like does he sit on the higher, the same hierarchy that the father, son, and daughter sit on? So one thing that I did kind of like, or at least it would have bothered me more if they had tried to explain this episode more to style. I mean, I <laughs> have never really liked the Mortis arcs because I thought they explained a lot without actually adding much to the mythology that that had insight. They added some structure but not a lot of insight. And this kind of added an implication of insight because nothing was explained. And it's, it's sort of like Yoda's species, I think. I can more readily accept that something is not explained currently to the characters we see on screen 
or is not explained at this moment, then I can accept a large-scale explanation that the characters then forget. So the very fact of the Bendu didn't bother me. The deus ex machina sort of did. I mean, like, I, I understand. And, and, like, walking away, having that be a more mystical side of the Force it feels right for the Bendu. Yeah. it. I just... I think I would have felt a little bit better if we like had a little bit more of an idea of where he sat. He didn't need to be explained fully, but is he like, cause I called him like he was a lion turtle from avatar essentially mm-hmm. like, where mm-hmm. in the original avatar series, there was one and in legend of Korra, there were a ton of them. So it's like, where do like, is he the only Bendu? Are there more Bendu? I think there will be more of his species in the universe if they're not already dead or whatever. Like, I think he's just a very, very ancient thing. Not so much that he's, like, linked to the mythos of the Force like the son and the daughter are, just that he has been a part of it for a long time. And that's kind of how he developed that neutrality, is just because he's been part of it for so long. So mm-hmm. I think it's like, there's there's lots of different parts of the force and people who relate to the force and they're all kind of like there's just stuff we don't even know about and the bandu is just one of them i guess that he's just been there for a long time and that's what i love that especially rebels has been doing is it it introduces us to all these different concepts of the force like we had the night sisters in the last series but we also had like we have the bandu now we have the lasats with the ashla like that's what i that's what i love about rebels especially is that it 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 shows us how like different cultures, different beings all view the force. Yeah. I think it's also part of um, Lucasfilm kind of building up to the force being more than just Jedi and Sith, because it seems kind of like the movies are kind of hitting that way as well with how they've approached the force up to this point. Um, And I think even the books are kind of exploring that a bit. It's, it's interesting. And I'm glad that rebels is doing this in a visual form. That's kind of weekly because I, I forget about the stuff very easily, and the Rebels comes along as like Bindu. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. There is other full stuff. Um, exactly. I I think the biggest problem with it though is that it has to fit in with the original trilogies. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's that's my biggest problem. That's that was my biggest problem with the old expanded universe. Like it it, it had to be written around constantly changing thing like whenever lucas would be like oh i'm gonna add this character or um there's no wookie jedi anymore so uh lobaka's not a thing anymore like mm-hmm. it that was that was i don't want the new the new canon to kind of fall victim to that and i feel like there's there's really no way around it other than just saying it didn't happen in the movies because it wasn't important to those characters at the time well, I think the problem there is that we are viewing this new universe too much like the expanded universe, that everything does need to fit in together. Like, this is a very big galaxy, and things like the Bendu and other full stuff has been around, like, and it, it'll continue to be around. And if it isn't relevant to the characters in the OT, or if they don't know about it, then there's really no point for it to turn up there. Like, like I've always said, like, with Ezra or something, if he doesn't actually become a Jedi, like, he might not. He might go off and do something else. He doesn't ever have to turn up in the original trilogy because he's not relevant to it. Um, and I mean, it is a problem because everyone wants everything to Lincoln and Star Wars and everyone wants everything to come back to the original trio because they're just like the originals. But I I hope that the new 
canon doesn't fall into that trap. Like, I want it to explore and go into different parts of the galaxy and just take things that are completely different and non-relevant. Yeah, and, and, I, can, and I can see that point. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily want it to fall into those old traps. It's just, I, I just don't like the writing hurdles that they're kind of in right now. Yeah. I think there's kind of two different discussions there, and one is about the plot of the movies, and one is about the aesthetic of the universe. So, like, mm-hmm. let's say whatever happens at the end of episode nine, you know, the the light side wins or whatever. That seems like a pretty reasonable prediction, right? The good guys <laughs> win. Um, and so that is a statement that we can then go and say, well, that means this for the balance of the force. And that means this. And we can philosophize about that all day long. And I will enjoy that. But that's kind of a different thing from the question of whether the expanded universe is intentionally creating more of a sense of mystery and answering fewer questions. So one of the things that I liked about the Aftermath series was that every once in a while, Wendig would just mention some like bit of history or a piece of art or something that wasn't really referenced anywhere else. And it was just mysterious and sort of odd. And I'd be okay if the Bendu was kept that way. What that means for him for the like philosophical underpinnings of the force that's different. Well, I do have I do have one little side question for you guys that has nothing to do with what we've been talking about. But it does have <laughs> to do with uh, things that tie into movies and questions and things like that. So, Thrawn had two death troopers with him. Krennic had death troopers. I assumed that all the death, the reason we never saw death troopers in the movies, which we've been talking about in this conversation, is that all the death troopers tied with Krennic. But obviously, death troopers are hanging about with Thrawn, which means that death troopers are a whole thing, which means that there are probably more death troopers than the ones we've seen with Thrawn and Krennic. Where the heck are death troopers? They did kind of address that in Rebels Recon. So okay. uh, they they oh, yeah. said that the they said that the death troopers are 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 still exclusive, but Thrawn would be on the same level of authority that Krennic is to get access to them. Like Krennic, is, Krennic is anybody who is on that level would get Death Troopers. So why? Are I don't, don't think win? many people are on that level though, because Krennic was like the builder of the Death Star kind of dude, and yeah, then Thrawn like, is just Thrawn. Like Thrawn well, why wouldn't Tarkin? Thrawn is a. Will be, Talk, Tarkin will, probably doesn't need them. Like he just sticks around in ships and doesn't really do anything. Yeah, Thrawn. Thrawn's not really military. I don't because he's because he's just a governor now. Wait, no, no. I mean, when he's grand, when he's Grand Moff Tarkin, Tarkin. why doesn't he have? Yeah, when when Tarkin, Grand Moff Tarkin, when he's Grand Moff Tarkin, why doesn't he have Death Troopers? Because again, feel like he needs them. Again, yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't feel like he needs them. Like that. Okay. That's that's totally a part of his. I, character in in especially in a new hope is when I he's know. so you know he's, he's just, so full of himself with the death star he doesn't need i just think you know, the death troopers protection. are so cool so i want them to exist other places <laughs> i feel you and i think that now that they're an established thing they will turn up more in canon <laughs> yeah, stuff which like, i'm excited about because they sound really cool maybe that maybe really dude do. maybe brendel hux will have them wandering around and they'll show oh up my God. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. yeah seems plausible enough they See, were kind of useless the in this episode, books. though. We're gonna we're gonna go around aftermath books, bam bam. <laughs> yeah, they were. I mean, they got knocked. 
Yeah. I do think this season had more high points than low points. And I think it had more high points than season two did. We'll see whether next season actually gets a bit more into the fleet side of things. Because I feel like this one, we just touched on what I kind of always thought Rebels would be, which was those large-scale battles. And you can't have too many of them before A New Hope, but I like the sort of tease we got of them in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I like that our, our battles are getting bigger and we are growing to that bigger rebellion and, you know, that that kind of leaves us in a new position for where our rebels are going to be next season. You know, with Sato dead, there's there's a there's an opening for leader of uh, Phoenix Cell. So uh, like a general Sandula, maybe, you know, if some beautiful green skinned Twi'lek would like to step into the role, I'm sure no one would object. Mama yeah, Twi'lek and, will you know, take it. but it'll be interesting when I will say there's one thing we did not talk about. She did call Kanan love. She did. It was so cute. Very, very important. That was a thing, and I got really excited. But <laughs> she did give him a little brush on the arm too when he came back. Wow, such oh, I like him. Kiss. Such so, affection. They they banter like their husband and wife. So <laughs> I mean, they well, probably face are. Mom and dad. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it when they said like when everyone was back and they're like, "Oh, the family's all here," and I was like, "Yes, oh, that was so nice." <laughs> I I feel like. I, I really enjoy this season. I feel having, obviously, we all know how much I love Thrawn. But even if I didn't love Thrawn as much as I love Thrawn, I feel having someone like Thrawn existing in this season as the villain, as an overarching villain, really ratcheted up the tension and the danger and the stakes for the characters. And I think it made things matter a little bit more. And I really enjoyed that that in this season, like given like it didn't mean things were tense all the time and we had to deal with the the culmination of the Obi-Wan and the Darth, you know, in the mall storyline, which I also really enjoyed and I thought had a really good ending, which, you know, I'm I'm really glad that they ended it on where they did. But I really thought this season had a a really good arc to it. And I think that having Thrawn existing there and allowing him to exist until next season as well, without killing him off helps continue that tension into the next season when it's going to be really necessary, especially leading up to where they're going to, you know, go with, you know, leading up to the rogue one, you know, pushing up towards rogue one. I totally agree. I'm really glad that Thrawn's sticking around because having a villain carry over from the season before helps so much with having that tension um, Mm -hmm. and making him feel like a real threat because we know he's real damn smart. Um, I don't know. This season for me didn't click with me that much and I'm not quite sure why. Like I can't place any part of the season that I don't like, but I didn't overall love it. I think I'm just dying to get more sick of the things that have kind of nogged at me from the start. Like I really hate the color palette of rebels. Like I hate the lighting of it. Those may be the two things that are driving me away from it somewhat. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot of orange. Mm-hmm. It's not even that it's like, like it's really dull. There's not much color. They use a lot of gray and I forget his name. Um, the lighting director, creative director, I don't remember his name. He's obsessed with the Rembrandt triangle for lighting on people's faces. And so everything is very dark to make sure that everyone can always be lit in that way. And I really hate it. This is like the only kids show that I have to watch with all of my curtains closed and it's still too dark for me to see it properly. Um, 
I didn't mean to go on a rant about that, but I think that's the main thing that I hate how it's how the art looks. Like I, I like the models and everything, but I hate everything else. Um, I'm really, really, really excited for the next season because I feel like I'll get pulled back in with it, and I'm really, really curious about what happens with things. I loved Sabine's arc so much it was really good i really liked how they ended with maul and obi-wan because that i was really worried about that but they did that really well um isra still drives me crazy and i wish there was more hero because i love it i'm glad ezra drives someone else crazy because he drives me bonkers (laughs) i I hate it learns things and then forgets them yeah let him grow please I think I'm like, uh, I kind of agree a little bit more with Saf. Uh, I I think the season was good. It it definitely had some highs and some lows, but I felt like the the highs and lows were really far between each other. Uh, So there was some moments where I was like, eh, you know, that wasn't too great. And I felt like the the season finale also wasn't as grand as uh, Twilight of the Apprentice. I felt like they really set this high bar uh, last season. So in, in that sense, like, I think I was a little... Not necessarily underwhelmed, but like kind of, um, kind of, yeah, that was pretty cool. But man, I could, I, I want more. Um, but it definitely leaves our rebels in a in a curious spot, I think, um, with Thrawn and what he's gonna do. So we we've kind of seen hints at what Thrawn can do, and I want to see more because it's not the Thrawn we've read in the books. You know, I think we started to kind of get that that sense of what Thrawn could do behind the helm, and that. That's where I really enjoyed the episode a lot. It was like, that's what I felt like was missing this season. But I definitely felt the threat from him. And I I want to see him do more damage to the Rebels. The thing I'm a little weary about is how quickly there are, they are at now at like Yavin. How quickly that jumped into that. So overall, the season was good. I don't think it was great, but uh, I definitely enjoyed a lot of moments and yes uh like saf i enjoyed the sabine stuff so much but that that's kind of my opinion no i i'm right there with you like i i i feel like this is i I still think this is my favorite season overall but it 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 still feels like it it's, it's missing something in that sense and with season four like i really i don't know i i, I think it's because i miss the I, I think it's because I miss the old crew and kind of just them. And now that it's growing to be this bigger rebellion, like I guess I just personally haven't gotten used to it yet, but, but I've gotten more used to it by the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you were I talking think... about, about Sorry. Yavin earlier, I was just nodding emphatically. And I guess that's all I have to say. I just want to see more Yavin. Oh yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. But it's just weird that they're not going to Dantooine first before Yavin. Well, I just thought that was weird. Well, yeah. I, I want to just chime in real quick. I'm, a, I'm with Mike. I think another one of my problems with this is I miss it being an ensemble show for the Ghost Crew. Like, the first season is still my fave because it had so many strong episodes between the characters that were just building up the characters, and I miss those. Thank you. Another thing I noticed, <laughs> another thing I noticed about the battle was, like, probably, I think when they when they launched to do the space battle or no, it was either, it was either when they first launched or when it was at the end, um, when they were all evacuating the planet, the phantom two wasn't parked into the ghost. It was there in one point, And then the phantom two was gone and we never saw anybody take it. So I don't know if it's an animation error or, 
if we missed it getting blown up, but it wasn't in Rogue One either. Oh yeah, huh. yeah. Who who would have taken hmm. it? I mean, exactly. It it they never really use it as its own attack craft like they did with the Phantom One. So I'm just I'm really curious, like if that was just an animation error, they used the wrong ghost model. I'd love if we built up a whole conspiracy theory and it was just the wrong model. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean that, that that's happened before in the episode. They, they've used they've swapped in the wrong ghost model. Yeah, because uh, I think it's they probably easy to do. Oh yeah, like I think they even used the ghost model with the Phantom One in an episode after the Phantom One had blown up. Um, I, I someone can correct me on that, but I think that happened earlier in the season. Yeah, so, I think I remember you talking about it, which is that's bad. that's not good. So, um, but yeah, there we go. Um, I'm super excited for season four and I can't wait to see what they announce at a celebration and kick yeah. Are you guys yeah. going to the panel? Yes. I'm going to try. I am absolutely going to be there. I had to kind of sneak my way into the panel last year. That's a lie. I had a medical badge. I got in legitimately, but um, <laughs> I almost missed out on the panel last year. And this time I'm like, last year, two years ago. This time I'm like, no, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there on time. I'm going to get a front row seat. It's going to be great. Well, I'm going to live vicariously through your guys' tweets. So, uh, Ernie, you said we had a uh, Twitter question. All right. So, actually, uh, I'm going to read one more as well. Um, but our old friend Ben said, uh, kind of underwhelmed with the finale. And uh, just aching for Mandalore in season four. Uh, And then the question we got was from Michael Givens. Thank you, Michael, once again. Uh, Do you think the Bendu slipped into an alternate dimension like we saw in Han Solo issue five or something else? Hashtag creepy Mufasa. (laughs) I don't know. I I think it would be cool if he did, if, if he kind of. I mean, he could have just become a force ghost. He he seems like he's powerful enough to have just known how to do that. Maybe he was a force ghost all along. Ooh. So maybe. Oh, sorry, Megan. No, I I I don't believe I read Han Solo five. So what's with the alternate dimension thing? So apparently, they Han Solo number five confirms that there are alternate alternate dimensions. I love that in, stuff in the Star Wars universe. So maybe right. those are the same. Like there's just a lot of bodies, and it's just a shared consciousness across them all. And maybe yes. this body dies, <laughs> or then the ex- goes the, to another one. Was it where the extended universe exists in an alternate? So there universe. you go. Legends is still real. <laughs> Legend, there you Legends go. Legends Oh my god! <laughs> it's a logical conclusion, but I do love that. Like <laughs> idea, I, I don't, I don't know anything about what was established in the alternate universe stuff, but I love the idea that the Bendu is just like a consciousness that sort of appears in different ones. And yeah, I agree with Staff. <laughs> <laughs> well, what if the Bendu is a singularity between Ooh. all of the alternate universes, and he just hops in? He exists in every one. Yeah, that's that same idea. Yep. Yeah. Definitely correct. I so like there, that. So there you go. Thank you, Michael. Really appreciate that. All right, guys. Well, that is going to do it for this season of Ghost Stories. But we will return when season four of Star Wars Rebels comes back. But until then, if you guys want to talk to us, uh, Megan and Saf, where can people find you? 
I can be found at blog full of words on Twitter and Facebook. Most of my stuff will be cross posted to Facebook eventually, but Twitter is the best place to get a hold of me. And you can find me on Twitter at Wanderlustin, W-A-N-D-R-L-E-G-U-S-T-I-N. And also not safe work on Facebook. I'm the same as Megan. Most of my stuff's on Twitter. And don't forget to check us out on Western Reaches. We are on Twitter for that too, at Western underscore Reaches. Yes, yes, I just listened to your last episode. And I had some words about your Horizon stuff. But uh, we'll <laughs> talk about that later. Oh, yeah. Now we have oh, to sure. have words. Mm-hmm. Uh, Guys, if you want to tweet to us at the show, make any corrections, let us know what we missed. Tell us what you think. You can hit us up at Ghost Stories Pod on Twitter. If you want to talk to us individually, you can hit me up at It's The Rocketeer. That's I-T-S, The Rocketeer. Lindsay, where can we find you? You can find me at Betty. That's B-E-T-T-I-E Bloodshed on Instagram and Twitter or my other Twitter at SDCC Nerds Attack. And Ernie? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at yeah buddy Ernie. We are part of the Random Chatter Network, so head on over to randomchatter.com to go check out all of the other shows that are on the network, including the one that Ernie and I do called The Retro Convo, and the one that Lindsay and I do called The Outer Rim. We are also nominated for a Star Wars Podcast Award, so if you guys can please go on over to starwarspodcastawards.com and vote for us in the TV review section, that would be super fantastic. Lindsay will be at Celebration Orlando to accept the award if we win, so... Thank so you again on. for yeah. Put thank you again, guys, for getting us. <laughs> thank you, thank you again, guys, for getting us this far. Let's keep going the rest of the way. And until next season, may the force be with you.